0: To the Stories of Freedom podcast. Um, today is we're recording a little different, so I've got Kayla on the line.
1: Hey, everybody,
0: and our guest Stacy Taylor on the line. Hello. And uh, and I did say on the line. So basically, what that means is we are not in the same room. We're not even in the same building. I don't even think we're in the same county. I think yeah, we're, we're all, all, all three, three, three
2: in different no, cities. <laughs> we're in the we're in different states. Different yeah. oh,
0: that's true. You're yeah, in California. You're
1: in yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, and you know what? It worked out perfect doing it this way because there was that huge mudslide last night. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if we were to right. in person, we wouldn't be able to. That's right. I wouldn't be able to so, get to you. God yes. was looking out for us. It's true. Much. We're gonna have to do it this way. Yeah, he went before us, but as he mm-hmm. always does. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, we uh, we're trying something new. I've got a uh, the the company that or the website that we're going through now to host the web, the podcast. They've got an app that allows us to record over the phone. So we're trying this out. Um, part of that reason is because Stacy, you reached out to me like. Almost two months ago, I looked at the email this oh. morning and it was oh, wow. it was almost two months ago wow. saying that you wanted to share the testimony. And yes. we just had scheduling issues back and forth and yes. things like that. So, um, so, yeah, that's basically been the challenge. And uh, so this way um, we were able to kind of just put together a time during the middle of the week where we all could record and do it this way. And then yeah. the other thing that's nice about this is, like I've mentioned before, I hope this kind of grows beyond the valley eventually. Mm-hmm. And we talk to people outside of the valley. Um, I know I know people in Sacramento and other yeah. people may stumble across the podcast from who knows where and want to share their testimony. Right. So this is a way that we could, you know, have them on as well.
2: Yeah, of course. Technology is amazing these days. Oh, it yeah. Is. <laughs> It's great. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm grateful. Thank you so much you guys for, I don't know, just, just allowing me to do this with you. And I'm, I've been so blessed by the ones you've already done. Unbelievable. Aww. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's good. Yeah. That's
2: good. <laughs> yeah we're cool. glad
0: that people, you know, are, are listening to them and liking yeah. them and, and we're hoping that people are getting something out of them and, yeah. and that, you know, it'll reach, it'll reach people that need to hear these stories and yes. understand that, you know, um, that other people have similar stories and, and what God can do for them in their lives. So
2: Yes. Yep. Definitely. Super helpful. And and it's neat because I think that, too, it's so inspiring. If you have known the Lord for a long time, it kind of brings you back. Because sometimes you get going, you know, and after the years— um, I don't know. It just, it just reignites things. I feel like, you know, and then if you're fresh, then you, and it's new walking with the Lord or maybe you haven't met him yet. It You can find similarities and I just yes. think that it's helpful for anyone at any, in any spot in your life. Um, it, it can help you and it can help every, every walk of life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Stacy, if yes. you're, uh, if you're ready, you can, uh, go ahead and, Get started. And it I is take time. it away.
2: Awesome. Okay. All right. Well. So, listeners, I uh, tend to write better than I speak. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of read what I've what I've written. I've shared it with Chris and Kayla both, but um, bear with us that it's probably not going to be as like smooth and awesome as it's been in the past ones. I've noticed people just get on there and start talking, but uh, I I don't know. We'll We'll see how it goes. But uh, so it might sound a little. A little written story-ish, and that's because it Oh, is. <laughs> uh, you're going to so, do great. Yeah. So um, I, can I pray to start? Do you mind? Oh, of yeah. Course. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the willingness and diligence of Chris and Kayla to to keep making these podcasts. I'm so thankful that I get to share in this way. And um, I ask that you protect this time right now um, and help us to walk through any kind of <laughs> little difficulties, technical difficulties we have, because we know that those have popped up before. <laughs> um, I still choose to surrender everything my whole life to you. Um, I still am in the place. I just put it at your feet every single day since the day that I, that I started doing this. Spirit, please speak through me and um, help me just to say exactly what it is that is the best for everyone listening and help me to leave out anything that doesn't matter and um, just move in the hearts of the people that are listening. And I just ask that um, you help us to just really tune in and give give you our time right now. Lord, thank you so much. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, well, so if I get through this without bawling my eyes out, it'll be a miracle. (laughs) I am a very emotional girl (laughs) and uh, I'm not a good speaker when I'm crying. So please forgive me everybody if I blubber, but hopefully, hopefully I'll I'll pull through. We'll see. We'll see. I'll deserve a big trophy if I don't (laughs) fall my eyes out. Um, And I'm a major rabbit hole speaker. It's like a big joke. Kayla knows this very well. So please forgive me. Forgive me for trailings and random pathways, but Let's hope that where they go, that they'll come back and have a purposeful intersection for some reason or another. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. Okay, so my name is Stacy. I live out in the sticks with my husband, two sons, a daughter, and three dogs. Our kids are 11, 10, and six years old. My husband's a general contractor. I've been what I call a house mouse for 12 years. Uh, The translation there, that's for uh, you stay at home moms out there. You can use that (laughs) term now, house mouse. (laughs) The house mouse. Um, I've tried my hand at working from home in a lot of different ways, but for now, it seems that my career here is the glue for my family day by day in this house. Um, I was born in Orange County in 1979. I just turned 39 and feeling fine. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I was raised in Redlands, California, in SoCal until I was 19, and then I actually migrated up here to Truckee um, on Halloween of 1998 to become a professional snowboarder. <laughs> no, no. So I dreamed that wasn't that wasn't real. I just uh, that was my aspiration, but it it didn't happen. Um, then after that moved back down to the beaches of SoCal, uh, Orange County in March of 99, when I was 20. And that is where I ended up meeting my future husband and also our savior Jesus in the year 2000. So that's a little, that's a little backstory. And, um, I'll go ahead and like start back and kind of explain the, uh, I don't know the ins and outs of my life, but is there anything that you guys want to say yet? (laughs) (laughs) Are you good? I think we're good. Uh, Okay. 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 So my parents met when they were in high school. Uh, My dad was a gifted auto mechanic by day and he was a street car racer by night. The kind that raced for pinks, a real outlaw. (laughs) Um, That rebel blood was in my veins. Um, My mom worked many, many jobs and was, and still is the hardest working woman that I've ever known. She is a Jane of all trades. She is unbelievable. She does anything she puts her mind to. It's amazing. Anyways, they met in high school and married when my mom was 18 and my dad was 21. And when I was born, my mom had just turned 21 and my dad was 24. They divorced shortly after when I was two. And this is where the snowball of rejection began to roll down the hill and gain size and speed. My dad remarried to a woman that had a daughter two years older than me and a son the same exact age as me, and I only saw them a few times at a very young age, and I never saw them again in my childhood or adolescence. Mm -hmm. Um, After we lost touch, I used to wish during my childhood for a brother every birthday at the blowing out of my candles and never a sister, specifically a brother. Little did I know the brother that I had wished for, actually we'll say prayed for without even realizing, uh, was born about a year after I saw that whole, that whole group of my family. Um, but I ended up being raised as an only child up until just a few years ago when I did indeed get to know my blood brother. The scripture about God giving you the desires of your heart is what comes to my mind when I think about my younger brother. Um, I think it's crazy that I was not intentional about a relationship with God, but he was still intentional with me. And I, it's, it's wild to me to think that that was something that I wanted as a child, and it actually happened. But it's just, it's just amazing. It's mind-boggling. Um, okay, so my mom worked her fingers to the bone as a single mom to send me to a Baptist elementary school through the age of, like, fifth grade. She said that she knew it was important to have morals instilled in me, um, that she knew she couldn't be the one to give me those morals herself. That was probably based on so much time of us being apart for her to be supporting us and also the fact that she may not have felt personally equipped for the task. Um, she was not a believer. She still is not. But even though oh, she's wow. not yet, I say yet, yet. <laughs> yeah. she believes that, Then this is her, in quotes, Back in the day, you may not have been a churchgoer, but at least you had a fear of something bigger than you and a healthy mm. respect for authority. So even though she you know, didn't believe in God and all of that, she still found value as a single mom to work to pay a private school tuition. That blows yeah. my mind. So um, she grinded to pay my tuition at that private school because she felt it was important. That, that is definitely a place where I can clearly see God's hand in my life. He even used a woman that doesn't profess to believe in him to work so hard to make sure that I went to that Christian school. Those years at that school where his word was tucked, oh, that is where his word was tucked deep down inside me. Still, um, I led a life without him for almost two decades. And these days, I can't deny the clarity that he was always working, no matter what. Mm. He was always there and always, always active in my life. Though I didn't recognize it, um, those those years there at that private school laid down Bible stories as history lessons of sort. But I hadn't learned any real heartfelt example of how or why to have a real relationship with God, or that that was even an option. It was just religion to me at that point. And honestly, mm. has anyone in the history of the world ever seen religion and thought, man? I love rules. (laughs) Has, Has religion ever been a magnet of passion or excitement? Does religion have a heartbeat or blood in its veins? Does religion bring anyone true joy or hope? Did religion create the world or its inhabitants? Did religion send its son to reconcile us back to itself? Religion is just that it's routine, but God wants to be with us, walk together and build a connection through a real relationship. Okay, there was a rat. There's my first rabbit hole.
0: Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to
2: the story. So that oh. was a good rabbit hole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I attended actually quite a few Catholic-, Catholic masses with my friends' families, which was the inevitable result of a Saturday night sleepover. You know, that was the rule. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they can spend the night, but they have to go to church tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, but at those masses, I remember feeling so uncomfortable, um, left out, alone, I always felt like the odd man out, like an outsider. Um, I never knew when to sit or when to, when to stand and you know, I never knew how to repeat or or say the things that you were supposed to Mm -hmm. shout out. Um, and I remember one time crying because I was so uncomfortable during them taking communion because I was literally the only one left in the church sitting on the pew by myself in this whole church and, um, talk about disclusion. There it is again, rejection. Okay. So it's just like over and over rejection, rejection. You are enough. You don't belong anywhere. Um, This family came back from taking their, their little cracker and whatnot. And uh, they asked me, why are you? And so I was just sitting there crying on the pew and they said, why are you crying? And I remember just being so humiliated and I didn't think they would understand. And I just felt really, really stupid. And I remember lying and saying that I had accidentally bumped my knee really hard because I didn't want to tell them Um. how uncomfortable I was. It was really awful. And I was embarrassed. I was crying in public. But now that's a daily thing, as Kayla knows. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So um, then there was also, this was another instance of like um, a moment in a church setting that was uncomfortable. There was this Mormon youth group um, dance that I went to with different neighbors on my street. And, um, I was, at, as we got to the front entrance, I remember all the adults standing there that were like checking the kids in and whatnot, were I could tell they were looking at me and whispering. And then one came up to me and kneeled down in front of me and she proceeded to safety pin my dress at right at the knees. So I, I was wearing a floor length black dress that was buttoned all the way from upper chest all the way to my knee. So my whole entire body was covered. It even had sleeves and everything. But it wasn't together from the knee to the floor. There was, like, you know, at that time, I'm, like, seven, somewhere between seventh and ninth grade. So, I mean, how far is that? A foot of dress? I mean, it's not that much right. when you're super short. But my, like, lower leg was showing from my knee down. And, um she, I'm trying to find my place in there. Oh, this wasn't, this wasn't a risque dress by any means. And my stepdad was very strict. So they wouldn't have never let me out of the house in something, uh, you know, like, uh, inappropriate or anything like that. But apparently knees were more enticing than I had known. (laughs) How do we even get away with shorts? (laughs) Anyway, that told me, I felt like in that moment, that they were like, you little whore, your knees are showing. Since you aren't a Mormon and you don't dress appropriately, you don't belong here, but if you're gonna stay, we're gonna have to clean you up in front of everyone. I was, I was so embarrassed and once again, rejection. Mm. Um, need, needless to say that uh, so far in my life, the many roads to God were proving to be not for me. A majority of the introductions to God's religion were repulsive actually. Um, simultaneously, though, during middle school aged years, there was a yet a little positivity in the God department via the YMCA where I did gymnastics. Um, I was actually led to their Christian camp in the mountains of Lake Arrowhead in Southern California. The summers at that camp left a beautiful mark on me. Nothing really shifted per se inside me completely, but when recalling now, little tweaks certainly happened there. Not momentous, but definitely a part of him drawing me to himself. At that summer camp was where the most moving God-related occurrences happened in my childhood. For sure, he touched my heart there. I was moved to tears every single summer in the spirit field ceremonies that they led. Uh, At that time, what I didn't know was that the Holy Spirit was working in me, and I wanted more. It was riveting and contagious, and I couldn't wait to go back because I knew that I would be touched in that unexplainable way. I treasured waiting on attending that camp all year long. I expected to finally feel something real there, and I didn't know exactly what that was, but I do know today that it was Him all along, and I can tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't rejection. (laughs) I felt loved and important and valued Uh. and special and included. So are you guys doing okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I hope it's not boring. Oh not <laughs> no. At all. Not at all. Okay. Not at good. All. Okay. I've, I've got a couple notes here that I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait for okay. you to get through some okay, other perfect. stuff that I'm
1: gonna bring up. Awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah keep keep note taking. Keep note taking. <laughs> okay. So if we rewind a little bit, so it kind of like is gonna do this back and forth stuff. Um, right after my biological pa- parents split, my mom got a new boyfriend named Roy, and they were together through my age range of two years old to eight years old. We moved in with him. He was never really around, which was glorious to me because all I wanted was my mom. I absolutely loved my life my, mo- my life, and with my mom at that time. I loved that man's awesome house. It was a castle to me. And I loved my young and energetic and super cool mom. And we did so many fun things together. And she was only in her mid-20s at that time. Yeah, which says a lot because here I am almost 40 and I'm like, how did she have all that energy? Oh, because she was 20. (laughs) Anyway, um, even though I loved my life with my mom, I always severely and intensely ached for the unconditional love of a dad to be called baby girl through a masculine voice to be an apple of a daddy's eye. Little did I realize I already was an apple of someone's eye, our father in heaven, the one who created me, my daddy God, the one who created all of us. Every moment, he gives each of us his breath in our lungs. He gave every single one of us a purpose. This lack of fatherly approval started my own string of boyfriends starting all the way back in kindergarten. I was addicted to being cherished by all, but heavy emphasis on the male gender. The excitement of being found wanted by a boy meant that I had value. The tug of this was deep and dominating. It is all I wanted. Finding that I was desirable... To them, sorry, that's all I wanted, finding that I was desirable to them, any and all men. That drive to be loved and wanted by all dictated everything. I strived for perfection. I stretched to be affirmed by others from wanting to be thought of as special. I became a people pleaser and a mask wearer. I molded to fit in anywhere. I never knew who I was. I always, bless you. Thank you. (laughs) I always ebbed and flowed, morphing into what other people thought I should be. Their praises fed me and their criticisms wounded the walls of my tender heart. I lived my entire life to make someone feel something, make them laugh, make them think I was different or tough or sweet or whatever fit the bill that day. Make them have to tell me that I was the best at everything, at anything. You're so tough. No one can hit a beer bong like you. Oh, she's so funny. Man, her sailor mouth cracks me up. Um, I've never seen any girl take a hit from a bong like that. Wow, you can sure hang with the guys. Oh, isn't she an awesome snowboarder? <laughs> so sad. I just lived by the comments. Um, I always had one or two best girlfriends, but the majority of my friends were guys. Uh, But I wasn't just one of the guys I made sure of that. I made sure I was tough and cool enough to hang out with them, but I still had a feminine edge they would desire me as well. I tended to mother them, but really it was subconscious. I needed them. I needed them to fill the empty God-shaped hole. I needed them to heal my rejection. And if they didn't want me, my life had no value. I also took to calling myself an atheist. I would smoke pot and ramble on about how there's no God for whatever reason made sense to me that day. Side note, what's funny is that I wrote in my diaries growing up, titling them to God. (laughs) I knew there was something there with him, but I just wasn't sure what to do about it. Um, I tended to love the dark side. I loved edginess. I loved really hard music. I loved piercings and tattoos, and I always craved getting attention in some shocking way. Yet, I still gave off a mask of perfection and togetherness. I looked like a pretty good kid for the most part. But I did see something very different in a couple people in my childhood years. There were a couple acquaintance Christian kids that were friends who were actually, um, they were a little bit different than the average religious person. Um, I hate the R word by the way, but I'm using it cause I have to, <laughs> I really hate that word. But anyways, present day, I can see now that what was different was they actually had a relationship with Christ. It wasn't about rules and regulation regulations. Mm-hmm. It wasn't religion at all. Um, then there were a ton of kids, more kids actually. Cause those, those, those Christian friends that I actually saw, uh, like a, there was something different in them. There was like two. But then there was a large amount of kids that went to church on a regular basis that um there was no passion, no depth, nothing. Uh, it was a total facade. It was just something they did on Sundays because they had to. And they were no different than me because we partied together. So why did I need their God? Like they weren't any different. Right. And that's what I knew more often than not. Uh So my mom eventually found out when I was eight years old that Roy, the castle owner, (laughs) earned earned the new name, The Cheater. He had been disloyal to to her for all the years they had been together and she had never known. She was devastated and I watched her cry sitting at our kitchen table for the very first time in my whole entire life. And that was so hard for me to watch. I wanted to fix her. Enter in my codependency training. My grandparents and my mom's brand new boyfriend moved us out of that castle and into my grandparents' house. She married that new boyfriend in five short months, and that's a whole nother story. Um, I can't even really go down that road. There would be too much to say. Um, There's deep pain, riveting loneliness, chronic dysfunction, fighting for my mom's attention, being caught in the middle wanting the fatherly affection I'd always longed for, but didn't receive it, Um, acting out, searching for approval, perfectionism, OCD, coping skills, isolation, achievement reaching, and basically living a double life of goody two-shoes and party animal all at once. So anyway, that led to me actually moving out of my house to my best friend's house my senior year when I was only 17 years old. Uh, My whole life up to this point, I saw my mom get involved with Roy right after leaving her marriage to my biological dad. Again, right after she found out Roy cheated, she quickly married my stepdad. I unknowingly watched her search for her identity in romantic relationships, not in who created her. Uh, I watched her never value making time for her broken heart to heal, and she just rushed right back into another relationship. Numb the pain. Numb the pain and get in a new relationship, I watched her ignore and deny herself. She worked hard to care for me and men and her family and her friends, but not herself, not her heart, not her life, her purpose, her dreams, nothing. Bouncing on from one heartbreak to the next with no nod to recovery or restoration. And she might cringe to hear these things being said, and though I would never want to hurt such an amazing human, this truth, from my point of view, is what I watched and I learned and then I replayed in my own life. I followed the same beaten path. I w- I followed her footsteps straight into the family business, searching for value in others, specifically men. So there I was, believingly unwanted by my dad, a rejected perfectionist with O-T- OCD tendencies and a straight-A student who was loved by peers, but so utterly brokenhearted on many levels, performing, pleasing, and partying, moving from guy to guy to guy for years upon years upon years. I went from relationship to relationship, which doesn't mean that these were all short. In fact, some were very, very long. The problem was that I never gave myself time to heal between them. I Mm -hmm. emulated the same process that I witnessed in my mom. To this day, I still carry emotions that I have to process, as a full-blown adult, because I never gave myself closure or time to heal. And that can really damage your next relationship. (laughs) For any people that are single out there that might be listening, or people that are younger that, you know, haven't gotten to marriage age or whatever, I encourage you to give yourself time to sift through your relationships before you move on to the next. Take time. It's worth it. And if you know Christ, lean into Him. Learn about Him in the Word, and therefore, learn about yourself. If you don't know him, then I charge you, meet him, dedicate yourself to living for him, and then ask him to teach you about your identity. Because if you've never journeyed with him, there's a lot more to learn before you can helpfully lend yourself to another person in a relationship. Take it from me. I was a pro at skipping that part. And here I am at 39, almost 20 years with Jesus and nearly 15 years of marriage. And I'm finally learning imperative things while having to still be married, which would have been more helpful and way easier having done this before. It's true that there are things that we better learn or only learn because of our relationships or marriage, although we give our future a head start if we are found first in the identity that God has for us personally. Okay, where were we? Okay, (laughs) so I got kicked out of the house that I had moved into uh, my senior year, my best friend's house, because marijuana paraphernalia was found in my bedroom. I was crushed to see the disappointment in my best friend's parents' eyes. I was so ashamed. They had taken me in, basically rescued me from my home life that I hated. And um, oh, I had let them down. (laughs) I had let them down so bad. And I finally got my first studio apartment. And then on Halloween of 1999, I left Redlands and moved eight hours north to Truckee, California by myself. Um, actually was living in a hotel. It was a pretty... Pretty gutsy move. Anyways, um, I I was going to start fresh. I was going to live in the snow, which was my favorite, and the mountains forevermore. So I thought, unbeknownst (laughs) to me, forevermore actually only meant five months. But I had no (laughs) idea. I was in my self-proclaimed singlehood. No more would I be dictated by a man or a relationship. No more would I kowtow. I was going to be on my own in a new town. I was going to make a new life. I was going to have a new persona. I was going to be different. I was going to live and I was going to live with intention, I made a vow to myself to pursue me for a whole year. I had three men on my trail for the first couple of months. <laughs> Enter in the workings of the evil one. <laughs> because of course, he wouldn't want me to be successful, successful in finding myself in God, because that was a possibility. I was on a mission to really find, out, find myself. Um, but anyway, boy, did I love the attention of these three men. Uh, but it's different now. I don't need them. I'm going to be strong. Well, that strong commitment of singlehood lasted two months, (laughs) (laughs) two months. How pathetic. I was so disappointed in myself. Now though, I know why I didn't know. And I know. Oh, so now though, I know why I know why this didn't last. It's because I didn't have my God, my creator. I was doing this all on my power, which really Mm. meant no power at all. I was one the one making the rules, but I was in pain and weak, and I had no tools. Of course, we will always slip into our habits when, we have, when, our, when the pain and distortion isn't addressed. And of course, I didn't have any tools, so giving in was my only option. The old, old pattern that I used to live was easy and comfortable. So on our own, nothing lasts. It can't. It's impossible. He created us to need Him. If we could do everything on our own, we would never need Him. Our need of Him is purposed and necessary. He wants us to want to know Him because He loves us. That's how all of this began, relationship. To see our need to be transformed and to succeed in transforming, we have to be committed to Him and abiding in His love. So sayonara, so much for singlehood, so much for doing it on my own, for finding me. One guy in particular was relentless. His pursuit was consistent and he whittled me down. He was a charmer and my old tendencies surfaced after I was starting to get lonely again and I was scared. I gave in and I moved in. I moved in with him and four other roommates who had come together from SoCal up to Truckee. He was 23, I was 19. He had only planned to be there for the winter season. Um, my codependency transformed me from the lifer, the you know, the mountain girl forever, to now a seasonal resident. There I went molding again, so much for my dream of a life forever in Truckee. Ever seen the movie Runaway Bride? <laughs> Julia Roberts always became what each fiancé wanted her to be. She never knew who she was or what she liked. That was me. Just call me Julia. <laughs> I, I also was a pro at morphing into, uh, into morphing what someone wanted because I wanted to be wanted. I moved up there planning on staying single for a year and living in those mountains forever. Instead, I was single for two months and I moved away from there in five months. Things change fast when we're not built on God's solid foundation. I was easily manipulated, easily swayed, and very impulsive. And that is a bad combo, especially when you're trying to branch out. Not only did I give up on myself, but I was footing the bill for this boyfriend too. He got fired from the resort, and he was living off of me. I had a great job in human resources at a ski resort. If you haven't noticed already, though I was a mess, I still led a functional life. I was always responsible in school and jobs, but for my boyfriend, I was a wonderful meal ticket. (laughs) I'm sure he smelled little old me from a mile away, that cute little naive 19-year-old girl, hence the diligence in winning me over. I believed the lie that people wanted me, but really... They just wanted what I could do for them. I was a willing participant to make everyone else's life great while my life severely suffered. I shared my body with him and I partied very hard, every single night and days off too when I wasn't at work. My drinking, pot use, ecstasy using, smoking, and basically every other vile, godless thing started to multiply. I was miserable, so, so very miserable. I hated my relationship, myself, and the situation I had gotten myself into, but I felt so stuck, caged. But I held myself together with my mask on, the mask of a respectable part of society and a wonderful employee. I was the queen of the double life. Where did I go after five months, months, you're wondering? Well, I moved back to his hometown of Dana Point, California, back to SoCal. The entire house full of roommates were moving south. The huge house we rented could not have been paid for by just me, and the ski resort at which I worked was closing for the season. What was I to do? No house, no roommates, no job, no family, no friends of my own. My money was becoming scarce. I felt forced. I I was in fear. I didn't want to leave. I was very unhappy with him. I was very unhappy with me. I wanted him to leave and I wanted to stay in Truckee. But there I was stuck. Like always, the world weighed on my shoulders. If I would have stuck to what I said I was going to do, I would have gotten myself into different opportunities. I would have met and knew other people, perhaps had a job waiting for me in the spring when the resort closed and new roommates to live with. Heck, and maybe I would have found God or I shouldn't say found because he wasn't lost. But (laughs) maybe, maybe that would have happened. That relationship ruined it all. I did that to myself and I chose that. After my boyfriend and I got to the beach, the misery continued. Things were dark. I was hopeless. Four months later, just four short months later after moving down there, this is July of 2000 now, I was totally and irrevocably miserable. I hated our relationship, him, me, who I'd become, my life, and he hated me too. That was very clear. Men and alcohol and drugs just didn't fill fulfill the hole that God wanted to fill. I was literally dead inside. I felt like a zombie. I was chasing the next party. Once I even resorted to stealing a bathing suit, which wasn't uh, was which ugh, which was very unlike me. I might have been willing to ruin myself and my body, but I was not typically hurtful to society. Um, I had been sleeping on the couches of my restaurant coworkers. I was homeless. I couldn't even eat. Rock bottom. Do you you think so? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Almost, but not quite. It's wild how far down that actually can be for some of us. One night, I passed out after partying, and when I woke up, I couldn't find my car. I had hoped that I had forgotten where it was, but nope, to find out, it had been towed. And to add insult to injury, I was homeless, so I was living out of my car. All of my belongings were in that car. Mm. Tears and tears, so much pain, so entirely broken, afraid, tortured, wounded, drowning. Thankfully, I found a place to live through a fellow server at the restaurant I worked in the Dana Point Harbor, and she ended up being a Christian. I actually started community college at Saddleback Junior College in Mission Viejo that fall. Um, I knew I had to get my life together. Oh, and it's funny, I just realized that I, uh, I said 2000 back then, but I think I was supposed to write 1999. Okay, so anyways, the first day of college, um, I met a boy named Chad. He was the son of a pastor. His dad was on staff at Calvary Chapel down there. Do you see what's happening here? God was still after me. After all this time, he was still there. He still wanted me. He had left the 99 for the one and that was me. When Chad's parents met me and got to know me, this Uber broken girl, they were probably scared to death. I'm sure they feared that I would quickly lead him off the path of righteousness with my witchy ways, a wily temptress, <laughs> a beautiful disaster, <laughs> which uh, did totally come true, by the way. I hate to admit it, but it's true. I, did, uh, I didn't help his life, that's for sure. Um, so here's a little rabbit hole during that college age time. Uh, there was one, one day I was sitting in the cafeteria with a f- girlfriend and random, randomly a stranger came to our table and he sat down and looked straight into my eyes. And he confidently recites with such passion, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I stared at him in a trance, paralyzed, shocked, appalled, embarrassed, even slightly offended, actually. <laughs> he didn't know me. Out of all the people in this cafeteria, why me? Yeah. But amidst this offense, I knew that he wasn't trying to embarrass me or hurt me. I knew he was right. I knew that verse to be true. I remembered that verse from my childhood. I hadn't accepted it or surrendered to it, but I knew that he was right. I stared at him and just said, "Um, okay,
0: thanks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, back to Chad. It got very serious with Chad fast. We intensely dated for about seven months. We broke up partly because I moved away from the beach to help my mom and stepdad move to Walker california right here where we're living now and also partly i assumed that it was because i was a spiraling godless mess he probably knew deep down that i was an accident waiting to happen in more than a few ways um he turned 20 in december and then i turned 21 in march uh the move to help my family up here only lasted for a couple of months at best remember when i said that that was a whole story for another day with my stepdad well trust me we'd be here for a week if i went into that this whole story too (laughs) Uh, I ended up moving back to the beach within weeks because my stepdad and I couldn't make it work. When I moved back, uh, I was able to move into the very same house that I was in before where I was renting a room. Um, And now here we are in the late spring of 2000. Uh, I tried to convince Chad to get back together with me for weeks and weeks. And unfortunately, he was uh, was not as enthusiastic as I was. He was enjoying (laughs) his life without an emotionally unstable, codependent cramping his style. But I needed the distraction from my own messed up life. (laughs) And I really did love him, but I loved what his stable family meant to me. Um, I also needed the comfort that they all poured into my life. His family was the first family that I had ever seen walk with Christ. They talked about Jesus like they could see him. It was intoxicating and without alcohol, (laughs) which was surprising eventually I manipulated Chad and I wore him down. So he eventually gave in and we dated for a couple of months. But after sushi dinner one night at our favorite restaurant in Laguna, he broke up with me and that day was earth shattering. It was Wednesday, August 23rd, 2000. It is forever etched in me. Chad's reason, he said, we're getting serious and you don't believe in Jesus. And I can't marry a woman that doesn't believe in Jesus. So exit stage left, Chad. That was it for us. We were done. At this time, I was so low. I was tortured by a broken heart. The crack of all cracks. Devastated. Oh. And the, the yeah, la- sorry. You're a little here. It's Yeah, okay. Is on my yes, <laughs> that's okay. So this was the lowest of lows I had ever seen. This was truly, truly my rock bottom. There it was, finally. Jeez. It took so long, thank you, Lord, for the blaring opportunity to change. It could only be up from here, right? (laughs) So uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, the author J.K. Rowling, has a great quote that says, rock bottom became the foundation on which I rebuilt my life. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where I was. I couldn't go any farther down. This was it. This was rock bottom for me. Drinks and parties weren't going to fill the gap well enough anymore. This crack was the size of the Grand Canyon. I knew that I needed something real. But I didn't know what. Then, five short days later, on Monday, August 28th of 2000, one of Chad's younger sisters asked me to go to college group at their dad's church that very night. I agreed to go. The message that spoke to me, oh, sorry, the message that night spoke to me, right to me. It resonated in my soul. I was touched. The message that night was mine. My eyes saw, my ears heard, I knew. There was no denying it. God was real. This was it. This was the truth. I couldn't wrap my mind, I couldn't even wrap my mind around it. Was I really believing all of this that I've denied for years? Yeah, I was. I was believing it because it touched all those little places in me that God had placed there all those years before. Everything had come together in one intersection. It was what they call blinding truth. Chad's sister noticed a shift that night. I cried the whole entire service. She saw something brewing. She didn't tell me that she saw it, and I didn't even know that there was something for her to see. Unbeknownst to me, she immediately contacted her mom and her grandma and asked them if they could split paying for the tuition to the college group retreat. That was just four days from then. It was held in the very same mountains that my unrivaled middle school summer camps were held. God's parallels are uncanny. He was drawing me back to the same setting where he had stirred my soul in junior high. Chad's mom and grandma agreed to pay for that wily temptress that seduced their (laughs) Christian boy for her to have a Jesus vacay in the mountains. Thank you, Father, for that. I'm indebted. The camp sign-ups, though, were closed. But Chad's sister convinced the church to squeeze in one more female camper. She even offered to sleep on the floor of the cabin because she could feel that I was on the brink of something beautiful with the God that she had known her whole life. She wanted me, she wanted her Jesus to rescue me. Days later on Friday, September 1st, we went up to the mountains and unknowingly I would be transformed forever, redeemed, sanctified. The old me would be washed away and the new would come to leave it all behind for the chance at true identity in my creator, to find my purpose in following him and to live for an audience of one. Sure enough, that very next day, Saturday, September 2nd, during the afternoon's quiet time, I surrender my life to Christ. Yeah! (laughs) In the middle of those mountains, almost exactly 21 and a half years old to the day. Uh, The moment I gave, gave my life went like this. I've always been a big writer and journalist. And so for me, I wanted to write my dedication to him. And that was very important to me. But the only pen I had ran out of ink the night before. So... I spoke out loud to the Lord. If you make this pen work right now, God, I will dedicate my life to you on this paper right now. I will give it all. I will give it all right here, but you need to make this pen work. And as I started to write, the ink flowed. Oh
1: my gosh, I I just got goosebumps. That was the
2: moment. That was the moment. Like I I just was, as it was coming out, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like uh, this is happening right now. I proceeded to fill the whole page front and back with heartfelt vows and gratitudes born again by the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. (sighs) Thank you, God. So on the last day of camp, Monday was Labor Day. I stood, just me and a few other people in a sea, of 200 college-age people and declared accepting Christ's salvation that weekend and accepting his eternity in heaven with him. Hands were laid and prayers were made, and I cried and cried. I've been saved. Eternity in heaven is on the horizon, and I admitted that in front of all those people. And guess what? That was only 12 days after Chad broke up with me for not believing in Jesus Christ. 12 wow. days. 12 So that's the story of how my life was changed. This September will have been 18 years that I've been walking with my Savior, learning about Him, and in turn, learning about myself through Him. So much has happened since then. I have so many more stories since laying down my life as a living sacrifice and trying to live out God's purpose. This podcast that Chris created called Stories of Freedom, and my own stories of freedom didn't end that day. In fact, they just began. God has unfolded such beauty from my childhood where he has shown me that he has indeed been right there by me my whole life, loving me, protecting me, and working. I have been processing my aches and pains with his help, and I've been transformed day by day. In the last nearly 18 years, life on earth has not been anywhere near painless or perfect though, but I do have the hope that this place is only temporary, and I have the gratitude for the fact that he had never left me and he will never leave me. This gives me everything I need. The key is deciphering between wants and needs. (laughs) Staying connected to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit every day through His Word, other disciples, the church body, worshiping Him in the most mundane tasks, and starting the first second of the day and all the seconds to follow. As a living sacrifice, He sustains me through the lowest and the most shadowed valleys. I am over the moon for Him and therefore aim to pour out the freedom that I found in my story with our Creator. Things have been far from easy, perfect, or smooth, or comfortable since I met Christ. A non-believer seems to typically assume that following Christ makes your life clean, tidy, simple, and even boring. <laughs> and though I would not change a thing, for me personally, in my opinion, I think in some ways it's actually more challenging than a life without it. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, the benefits outweigh the struggles. I would never change a thing, right. but the struggles exist. Not because he isn't enough. The struggles exist because we're sinners and there's an enemy. Right. Well, and scripture says they're promised. Yes, exactly. In John 16, exactly. they're promised. Yes. Good. Yes. It's it, the persecution, everything. It'll come. Mm-hmm. And in those mm-hmm. trials, we're to find joy, you know? Yeah. So um, I find that swimming against the flow of the world is harder than just to be carried away in the direction of the crowd. And just because there can be an ease in going the same way as the rest of the world doesn't mean it's the better choice. Right, Going against the grain of the world is harder than going with, but you're left empty and hopeless, clamoring, stuffing, numbing, running, isolating, pretending, chasing after fleeting things, scrambling after things that never can and never will fill the void. What the world offers leaves you tired, broke, lonely, unhealthy, drained. When the, when the things that you've chased after have dissipated in one way or another, you're left with nothing to show for it. When you give God the life that he, when you give back to God the life he gave you, you find real purpose and value and identity. And Matthew ten thirty nine says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Um, You have a tall tower of refuge in life's battles when you know God. You have a comforter when your heart hurts. You never have to chase people's approval, fortune, or fame, fashion, success, degrees, cars, homes, travel, savings account, the perfect body, esteem, the list goes on. You never have to chase them ever again because you realize all that matters is Him, His love for you, His love for others, your love for Him, getting to know Him, letting Him endure your life, glorifying His kingdom the eternity that you have with him in heaven. So that, amen. Yeah. You're preaching now. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the end of my main story of freedom (laughs) because there's always a million more. Once you come to know the Lord, it's like every day is another testimony of him, you know, right? but the main, like meeting the Lord story, that's that. But uh, also I will give you a little bit of closure. In September, Chad and I, the one, the pastor's son, uh, will have been married for 15 years. Wow. Um, and we got married three years after meeting um, at, that, at college, that first day of school. Um, we moved away from the beach and up here to the Sierras 13 years ago and started a family and dig in the country life. I don't think we could ever live in the city ever again. Yeah, Yeah, once you kind of get used to your neighbors being 10 acres from you. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. If they're
2: any closer than that, you're like, oh, you're kind of like, (laughs) oh no, oh no, they can hear everything. Yes, exactly. Um, And then the other tidbit of closure that is actually a ginormous story in itself, but I found my biological father three years ago. The Holy Spirit told me to find my dad, and I pushed fear hordes through hordes of fear and rejection. And I obeyed God and I found my biological father the day after he told me to find him. So, and I have a relationship with him and my younger brother and my nephew. And that was three years ago. So, um, so I had, so I have like a little bit of, sorry, I know long-winded, but we're almost, we're almost almost done through my writing. But my final thought was, I wanted to share that when you give your life life to Christ, it isn't just poof, happy ending. Right. Um, The happy ending is eternity with him. That's the happy ending. But until then, on earth here, we're just visitors and there's work to do here. Learning about Mm -hmm. him and who you are in him and being a lighthouse for other people to find him as well. So... I'm sure most of you guys um, know the serenity prayer. Typically people only know like the first three little chunks of lines, but it's actually pretty long. Have you guys ever read the whole thing? Chris and Kayla, have you ever, do you know the whole serenity prayer? No. Oh my gosh. So it's crazy. So So, you know, I'm sure you're going to, when I read it, you're going to recognize the very beginning, you know, the God, give me the grace to accept uh, the serenity, that thing. Oh, see, this is a weird version I did. But anyways, basically that um, the first beginning is is used a lot in like recovery and step studies and whatnot. And it's about Mm -hmm. accepting the things that can't be changed and courage and like, I don't know, you probably heard it before, but the second part of it, nobody ever really knows the second half, but Christ centered step studies will always say the whole entire thing, which is really, really cool. But it says, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. So there's the joy in your trial, right? Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, like basically your will be done, right? And then trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to him so that you may be, and here's the humdinger right here, that you may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. So I guess that was something that I wanted to make sure that people knew is that I didn't know when I got saved that I just assumed everything was going to be perfect and everything was going to be easy. And I think that's a common thought. You know, but I, so I kind of wanted, I don't want to be Debbie Downer. It's not that I want to be realistic and say, look, like you have the chance to be reasonably happy here, but by tucking the joy in your heart of your salvation and knowing that supremely happy isn't for now, it's for later, you know? So there's work to be done here. I don't know. That's just something that's been important to me that I feel like it's hard to share that though, because people don't want to hear that. Right. That it's just right. like, Oh, accept Jesus and everything's peachy, but it's like, no, there's going to be stuff from your past too that needs healing and that you're going to have to like, um, address and admit and like work through and forgive people and forgive yourself. And so there's a little journey there still, you know? So, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, and then, so, Kind of an encouragement verse that I wanted to include was Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for everyone who asks, receives the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. So I encourage you, everyone, test it. If you don't know him, t- see, knock, knock, ask, mm-hmm. seek, and I guarantee you that your hands will not come up empty. You will find serenity and freedom in the only one the only savior that there's ever been ev- is and ever will be period. Like I know that he won't let you down. So if it's something that any listener is considering, go for it. He says it right there it is seek and you will find. So, um, anyways, so I don't know. That's that. And thank you for listening. And yeah. I you. <laughs> So I love you guys, but anyway, so yeah. So, so questions or notes, Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I way. just wanted
1: to touch on, because I think we all in one way or another feel, um, you feel that rejection, you know, some, some, it manifests more than others. Um, but like you said earlier about how his parallels are just completely uncanny and mind blowing and everything else. Yes. DC, I sent you a picture of this, this morning of Revelation 7 and it's just it's giving me goosebumps that it's coming back and like like hitting me right now. Okay, yeah. Um, because when he's talking about how the 144,000 of Israel is sealed, yes. And then John's like Uh, and before I knew it, like I lost count of everybody because everybody's coming, like everybody's accepted. You're not rejected. Like that's what Christ did for you. Everybody is accepted. Everybody has that love. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. And so
1: it just, I don't know. I love that we read that this morning. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you talk about rejection today.
2: Right. Well, and he, yeah. And the thing is, is like, of course our enemy, you know, the evil one wants us to think that we have no worth and we're not needed and we're just a waste of space. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then, they, and then too, like our flesh can lead us to make some decisions that aren't super awesome. And all of those things working together, it's just you, it's just, it's, it's really sad because God wants us all. See, And, and right. we tend to believe like, I'm too much of a mess and he doesn't even care. And he doesn't even see right. me and all of this, but he does. I mean, when I read through that myself it's like, wow, every time it just blows my mind that I was feeling so alone and so rejected and unwanted and really, like, um, basically in the way. Like, in the way of the lives of the adults that were around me, being an only child, like, I didn't have any siblings to... Right. uh, I don't know, just whatever. Hang out and anything. Bro out on and be together in things. I was always alone and it. Just, uh, I just felt like, gosh, I'm such a... I just... I'm just such a waste. I'm such a burden on everyone and, and there can't be a God. He doesn't care and all of this stuff. But really when you look through all of that, it's just like he does. And that, and he's personal like that with everyone, whether we want to admit it or not. (laughs) It's amazing. He is so incredible that he can be that personal with Chris and he can be that personal with Kayla and Stacy all at the same time. Right. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So Yeah. Did you have any other notes?
0: Um, I had one. I thought it was cool that, uh, you know, you went to that, um, the camp in in junior high and then later on that, that camp that, uh, that I guess now, you know, she was able to to get you, was the same camp. So it's funny how that works because of all the areas between here and there that, that you could have went to, um, I guess, a church camp. It happened to be the same exact place, which, like you said, stirred up all those emotions again. Yeah. God found a way to to reconnect that relationship and that that first, you know, connection.
2: Yeah, there was such a comfort because I had—it was familiar, you know, and and I knew— there didn't need to be any fear about going. Like I knew that I needed to go because I'm like, I know, I know what happened in my heart. And it was obviously, it was held by different entities and whatnot, Right. but it was still, and so they weren't the same obviously, but definitely there was a, there was a comfort and an ease and um, not a lot of fear that could have been there. If it was something new, it would have been like, Oh great. What's this going to be like, you know? So, right. Pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Wow. So anyway, yeah. And I even had sixth grade camp in those same mountains too, which is just, it's just crazy. There were just so many, I mean, I guess it's not that weird since you live down there. I mean, how many camp places are there, but still, I mean, I don't know that I've gotten to visit that area that many times that I could meet him there. It's just, but I, but I didn't know it was him. It's just crazy. Right. It's just totally totally yeah. awesome. So
1: Yeah, all those times we didn't realize it was him.
2: Yeah. And then it's like, "Oh,
1: okay, well that makes sense." Oh now. man. <laughs> and
2: there those they did this one specific ceremony and the time when I said that I would get teary is they uh blindfolded you and they had you they had you ask someone older than you um to like lead you down this path blindfolded. So you had to trust that someone was going to keep you safe.
1: Right. So you had
2: no idea where you're going and they lead you out, out to this point and you're blindfolded the whole time. And there's this like really neat ceremony. And the person that you ask, you have to, um, you had to memorize like these little, um uh, what do you call those when you have like, not a, not a chant. It wasn't anything weird, but like, um something neat about, about like learning to grow or whatever. There was like Mm. steps and every summer you could try to venture like the next level, basically trying to lead you to God. was their purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, but you had to like memorize this thing and repeat it out loud. And it was, it was related to God. And um, then you would feel the person that you asked to lead you out to this point and you'd feel them tie like a new bandana around your neck and, um, and then they'd take the bandana off your eyes and you were standing out on this point with the cross. Wow. And so I was every year, every year falling my eyes out and I couldn't wait to go get another uh, they We called them rags. I couldn't wait to go get my next rag. Wow. you know? And so it's just crazy. Uh, it's, it's really pretty amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, that was like really powerful to go through, even for an adult, it would have been like, Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, this is amazing. You know? So. I don't know wow yeah. that's really cool well yeah, and
1: i've known cool. you for what like 10 years now yes and it's uh-huh. just it's crazy like knowing you from me being somebody who lived in the world at, you know, just 17 thought I was, you know, hot stuff or whatever (laughs) you were, (laughs) you were, you were like professional softball. Um, and, and seeing you now and just like how much you live for the Lord, like you've helped me so much on my walk and you have so many beautiful sisters now that I've, um, you know, seen just in the last, um, what year and a half since we've like reconnected. And so I just, I hope that you just know that, like, you are loved, you are accepted, yeah. you are enough, not just for us, but, I mean, obviously for Christ and and for your family, like, you are enough.
2: Yeah, well, He's the thing that, if there's anything that's seen as desirable or beautiful in me, it's Him. You know, right. it is Him. Like, I am emptied out and stripped down. I mean, it mm-hmm. is, it's Him. So anything, it's just...
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't and know. And it's so evident. I know that when people look at you, they see Jesus. Wow,
0: I
2: know that. wow, wow, wow. Wow, I that, that that's,
0: hard.
2: that's hard. That's hard to. Smile. I mean, that's great. We should all take that that kind of compliment with joy and say thank you, right? I mean, I guess we it's hard, but I guess sometimes it's hard to take compliments. But I think this is the thing too, though. I think when we realize, wow, like when you really start seeing yourself. In his light, because the closer you get to him, the more brighter your life gets, which means then you see the comparison of his perfection and your sin. So right. when someone's like, oh, I, you know, I see this or that in you, and you're thinking, mm, because every day, because you're so close to Jesus, you're like, wow, you are incredible. And I can't believe that you did this without sinning. You were here without sinning. Right. You actually walked through being killed for us. Like all of these things, it's like, it's hard I know that I'm clean because of him. So I don't even really know where I'm going, but are you picking right. up on what I'm trying to say? I'm just saying like, it's hard to take those like, oh, it's your, you do great. And thank you. And all this stuff. It's right. like,
1: oh,
2: oh I, yeah. I fall short every day, but by like his grace,
1: like. Right. Yeah. Um, his grace covers you. And yeah. so that's, yeah. that's what people see because like you can admit, you know, yeah. Like we all come up short, but it's his grace. that yes. you say, Yeah.
2: Yes. I can do it because of him. Yeah. I'm this way because of him. Yeah. So you're yeah. seeing his, so, so yay. I'm glad that I'm a little <laughs> vessel that you can see his light in my life because yes. it is, it's his, mm-hmm. his light. I hope that I'm shining. So, um, Yeah. So grateful. So grateful for being different. And it's kind of crazy when you, when you are washed clean by him and then you tell people the things, and obviously I kept it pretty PG. I mean, there were some uh, terrible things that I went through and did, um, when I was younger. And, and when you do like get to share those things, um, when the timing's right with someone, they're like, yeah, right. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's (laughs) like, uh, no, that was me. And it's like, um, nah, I'm like, I, I can't ever imagine you doing that. And that is because he has washed you white as snow, you know? Right. And so, yeah. I know we were just saying that about Bill yeah. on the last episode. Yeah. Like, yes. you, you know, the things Bill shared. Yes. I know. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. jail. What did he say? Jail J- 17 times or something. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. What? Come on, Bill. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's how good God is. Yeah. Praise be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, we all, we all can have, we can all have that, that light in our life with him. And, um, and have that tall tower of refuge with him if we choose it, you know, right. we can all have that. And so I just want to live always making sure that, um, that I'm directing people his direction and saying, look, like you don't have to drown like I did, you know, Right? Um, you can put it into that. You can lay that down and he will right. heal you and he will comfort you mm. and he will he will be everything that you need and sustain you. And, um, so anyway, I'm glad we'll yeah. thank you, Kayla. Well, you're. Yeah. You're an inspiration and that, so to me too. So that also too.
1: reminds me of the scripture that I've shared with you several times about how he collects every single one of your tears. Yes. So everything you're going through, like nothing is wasted because he collects every single yes. tear. Yes. He knows which pain every single tear came from Wow. and he turns it for good. Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, He. Um, it's just so nice to know too. I think I've told you that I like picture him if I do have tears of pain or sorrow mm-hmm. um, or even like you've said, joy, he even collects your joy tears you know um I picture him with like a mason jar (laughs) this is so funny I'm a real country girl guys now because I'm picturing mason jars no (laughs) anyway um but like scrape. I can feel like almost it sounds weird but like the the mouth of the jar of the glass like scraping up my cheek you know what I mean Mm. like when those tears are falling like oh I got that one I got that one which means that he's right there because sometimes in those tears like we can think that we're alone and that. What right. does it matter? We're just crying. I'm alone. And Satan can too be like, look at this. Like you're doing this alone and God doesn't even, he doesn't even right. care. He doesn't, he's not even here for you. But then I feel that cold glass up my cheek. Like I'm right here because who'd be picking these off your cheek, but me, you know, no right. one, I'm the one, you know? So anyway, wow. yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: One thing that I wanted to touch on, um, it's, it's cool that this came up and, that I that I happen to listen to this this week, but you talk about um, people seem to picture that after you become a Christian, life will be perfect. He cleans yes. everything up, mm-hmm. and um, and I mean, even with the the name of the podcast, "Stories of Freedom," I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea that you know now that y- you know you've turned your life over to God, that everything's going to be perfect. And, right. and what I I heard this uh, podcast this week, um, it it was either the Bible Project or the other one that he does. Uh, My Strange Bible, I know I talk about that all the time, but he said something like, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was something along the lines of, you know, God doesn't um, take away your trials. He just provides a way for you to get through them. He leads you through them. And it was so good when I heard that. And it made me think of two things. Um, In the Old Testament, it kind of made me think of um, uh, when the Israelites or when, you know, Moses is able to free the Israelites, and and then Pharaoh changes his mind and goes back after them. Here they thought they were free, and they were escaping him, and then Pharaoh came back after, after them. Um, and then Moses listened to God and was able to part the Red Sea, and they were able to get through it. Wow. And um, it's like, so things look like they're turning around, but then you may— get a, a trial again. And if you listen to right. God, he's going to provide that way out.
1: Yes. Right. And yes.
0: The other thing that made me think about in the new Testament is where Jesus says, uh, that he came to save you, not to take you out of the world, but to save you from it. Mm, and right. it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You still live in this world. We still live Good in this point. world where there's going to be attacks and temptations and things like that. Um, and he's really just there to help you through it. You know, he's not taking oh out you out of it. He's just helping you through it.
2: Yes. yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. You're oh. right. You're still here, you know? Right. The whole thing of it is, is salvation, right? That's the whole thing of it. Yes, yeah, like he, you have him to walk with you every day now, but it all boils down to you being saved from what your life deserves, which is hell, you know, from your sin. Right. right. And he is like reconciling you back to give you life with him when you're reunited with him in eternity. But so we tend to think, that heaven is here. Like we tend to think, right. okay, now I'm saved. Now let's have let heaven now, streets of gold. No, that because you're you're just visiting here. <laughs> and yeah. this place like C.S. Lewis, I think I've said this to Kayla before we've talked about it, is like. C.S. Lewis says, um, like, basically, I can't remember the exact wording, but something about if you think this place is just a place to be happy, um, you're going to be sorely mistaken. But if you look at being on the world as um, being on earth as a place of training and correction, you're going to see it's not all that bad because, right. you know, that's what it is. It's going to be a place of brokenness and sin and flesh and a cunning um, enemy, you know, and all right. and all of that. So. But, um, yeah, I really like that, Chris. And you know what? You popped in my head when you said that. I don't know if you guys have ever seen, like, the the little meme or the saying that says something about God. um, Sometimes he doesn't take the storm away, but he calms the child in the storm. You know? And it's, like, so sometimes, like, there aren't going to be deliverances of, like, maybe there's a medical thing that's going to be with you forever. Or maybe um, whatever there, there just might be things that technically you're never going to be free of on earth, but you will in heaven, but he's going to calm you in the midst of that storm, even though that storm won't be gone. So right.
1: yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah. That brings me back to my, my favorite one, John 16, I might, I should just get that like tattooed on my face. <laughs> <'cause> I <just> <laughs> ever, <laughs> like, swear everything in my life goes back to that verse. Cause the second part when he says, but take heart, Because I have overcome the world. Like whatever you're going through is of the world. Like like Wilson's heart defect. Like Jesus has overcome hypoplastic left heart syndrome because like it's of the world. You know, marriage problems, cancer, um, alcoholism, like every like every single thing that we go through here on earth that is a stronghold or whatever, like he's already overcome it. We just have to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and, and break free of that and realize, okay, that's here. That's not heaven. Yeah. yeah. It
2: it is finished. Mm -hmm. It's like, I always kind of see it as like, we're catching up. Like the, it is finished happened 2000 years ago and we're still living like, like, uh, it's almost the difference between, okay, I'm not a scientific person, but you know, like time, what like, uh, speed of sound and and then like sight you know how there's like right. differences in those kinds of timings you know what I mean yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like he it's done he already he like you said he overcame it but we it's like we almost haven't quite like caught up or something like we haven't stepped into that like we're waiting for it to uh, I don't know we're, we're like behind or I don't even know how to yeah. just, you get what I mean by that yeah <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
2: Like it's finished he already said it it's done he mm-hmm. already he took care of it all and we're right. just um yeah, I don't know, we're 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 catching up. We're going to catch up and then it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be all good and we don't ever have to cry another tear or be thirsty or hungry ever again. Amen. Yeah. It's going to be great. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. I, uh, thank you.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing.
2: Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. So
0: I'm glad that we were actually able to finally find a way to get you on here because yeah, <laughs> it just too. kept, it just kept, seemed like it was getting pushed back further and farther. So,
2: well, thank you for, for trying so hard to make it happen. And Hey, you mm-hmm. got to roll with the punches. That's what just yeah. Like yeah. you're saying that's life and his will be done. If it was supposed to be on a different day, it would have, and, yeah. and it's right. okay. Today was how it was supposed to be for one that's reason true. or another. Exactly. Yeah. So, hey, and now you know what it's like to tape like this. I know. Yeah. I know.
0: It seems (laughs) like it's working out. We'll see how the recording comes out.
2: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) gosh. Lord be with it. Doing it again is crazy. Kayla knows you guys have done that how many times?
1: So, yeah, we did mine three. I think Chris did his twice. I think we did Justin's twice. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. You know what? The enemy will not get this podcast to
2: yes. stay silent. No, no <laughs> weapons formed against us shall prosper. Yeah. Yep. Hey, and it's okay. Even if it doesn't, I'm willing to do it again. I like hanging out with you guys and, uh, stories need to be told. And so yes. I've, I'll keep telling, Hey, we're going to tell them till we go. So might yep. as well yep. just get better at it. I obviously need some help in that area. <laughs> 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 so anyway, so yeah.
0: All right, guys. All right. Well, then I think that, uh, that about does it unless anybody else has anything else to say or Mm
2: -hmm. thank you. Thank you Lord for this time. All right. Okay. So
0: as always, you guys can uh, reach out to us either at church, either me or Kayla. Um, and then, uh, you can reach us at stories of freedom podcast at gmail.com. Um, or find us on Facebook just by searching stories of freedom. So, um, hope you guys have a, uh, great week and, uh, we will, uh, I guess we'll catch up with you next time.
1: Yeah. All right. Thank you, weekend guys. Thank you, everybody.